Welcome to the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Welcome to today's episode of the Dive into Reiki podcast. Today, I'm very excited about our guest, Jasmine Harsonel. Jasmine is an international wellness intuitive guide, speaker, and author of the book Self-Reiki, published by DK. In addition, she's a Reiki practitioner and sound artist. Jasmine founded Emerald Tiger, and I'm personally obsessed with that name. I found it very beautiful. Emerald Tiger is a conscious well-being and lifestyle brand. In 2021, she also founded Breed Love, a community platform that showcases people, brands, organizations, and charities that do good in the world. She works with clients worldwide one-to-one and holds groups, corporate sessions, and brand activations. So without further ado, on to the interview. Jasmine, so much gratefulness on my side to have you today for making the time because I've seen you're a very, very busy person. So I really... Oh, it's been a busy... Yeah, it's been a busy few weeks, but I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. And thank you for your patience. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. So I wanted to start like I start every uh, episode of this podcast. And is that first encounter with Reiki practice, um, whenever that happened in your life? Yeah, um, I well, I spent most of my life feeling a void, feeling lost. Um, a large portion of my life feeling depressed and my teenage years were very traumatic um, but I always had a belief that I'm a spiritual being I'm in a human body and that's part of me and part of my life's journey but in my life my late 20s um, I felt like a stirring within and my practices began to deepen um, I was already meditating and I had some practices there, um, particularly with sound and singing and writing music. Um, But I started to seek help and started to find ways to really liberate myself from feeling sad and lonely on a daily basis. Um, And as I started to seek help, um, I started to also get health issues. So um, in my early 30s, I got a cancer diagnosis. I got endometriosis, a diagnosis for endometriosis, something that I had lived with for a very long time and other issues that started to become apparent. And so I I had this deeper quest to support my health and well-being. Um, And it was through, uh, I think it was my sister actually that said to me, go and have a Reiki treatment, Um, go and try Reiki. And so I did and I had a, a few treatments And I think from there, it just kind of, um, it's that snowball effect of, um, yeah, I just had this interest to do the training, Um, but I didn't do anything. And then I received an email um, from one of my teachers, who is now my teacher, um, about his book. And then, um, so yeah, I went down this road of reaching out and did the Reiki 1 training. And then I went on to do my Reiki 2 training and master's. And then I went and did my master's again. Um, But yeah, I think it was just through seeking help. You know, I I was looking for ways to support my health and well-being. And that's kind of what brought me to that space of wanting to learn Reiki and to be able to support my own health and well-being. And, And then 
this intention from within came. I always love to support and help others. And I was already a well-being mentor. Um, so the intention to listen and hold space and support others um, really just began, began to ring really true in my body. I wanted to help people to feel a sense of coming home to their body, heart and soul. And, um, and so I started to integrate these practices into my work. Um, and through through this um, opening that I found through my Reiki achievements and practicing Reiki, I came back to my voice. And so I just came back full circle to back to sound as well. And um, it, it just, I felt very grateful that I, I suddenly was able to, not suddenly, but was able to experience, you know, who I was again. I found myself and found my voice. Um, and I feel very grateful that that happened um, at a time when I really needed it. I, I, I love how simple you put it, right? Coming back to my body, coming back to myself, right? And finding ourselves again through a practice mm. versus gaining power or becoming like these perfect beings. It's just coming back home. I think that is a very beautiful way to express it. And, and can yeah. you speak a little bit about more coming back to the body in a spiritual community, and my experience, and this is a New York thing, spiritual communities are a lot of going out of the body into other dimensions, which is also very valid exploration. But what are the advantages of actually bringing your spiritual practice towards the body? If that's grammatically correct. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think through my own sort of spiritual practices and things that I've learned, um, a lot of teachers at the time um, that I was experiencing will always go into those outer body experiences, you know, hone into your your third eye chakra and, 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 and all of that stuff, which is really powerful and beautiful. But um, you, we lose a sense of being in a human body, right? We are, we are, are living and having human experiences and we need to feel our feelings and feel our body. And that's how we navigate life being grounded in our body. So I think it's really important to have a grounded practice. Um, it's one of the reasons why I really love the three diamond practice because we ground into earth energy first. We ground into the body and feel into our body and our feelings. And then we open to our hearts and to heaven energy. So I think there is an importance there to ground. And also from that grounded perspective, we have a sense of compassion, and kindness and empathy towards other people as well and all living things if we're always outside of our body we're not seeing things as a reality and I think you know we talked about spiritual bypassing but I think there is a sense of that's what happens as well when we're we're always outside of ourselves or we're we always like looking for that high we lose that sense of groundedness and life is messy there is stuff inside and outside of us always going on um, and that grounded practice just helps us navigate um, through that, you know, without um, finding that balance through that messiness. I think you said a couple of things that really hit me. It's, it's you know, things will never be perfect, right? They will always. And lately it's come very true uh, if you open the news, right? So having that, that groundedness helps you navigate. And the other thing I love when you say, like, when you have both heaven and earth, then there is balance, right? Like it's very difficult to maintain the balance if you're just in one extreme, either too grounded or too much into the heavenly energy. So bringing that balance of being able, as you say, having the spirit and the grounded 
the body is very important. So I don't yeah. know if a lot of, I'm familiar with the three diamonds because I come from a more kind of like lineage that goes towards more the traditional Japanese. Uh, but mm-hmm. many, many of the listeners and viewers actually probably have a more Western practice. So they may not be familiar with the three diamonds. Could you tell a little bit what it is and, and what is so appealing to you? Like, why did you, they're like probably 50 meditation, like this is the meditation I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the three primary energy centers in the Japanese energetic system are called the three tandem points, aka the three diamonds. Um, the Chinese call it the three dantians. They are powerful energy centers that for me through practice um, has helped me uh, come home to my body. And I feel a sense of, you know, really tapping into my true self over and over again and feeling a sense of unity and balance. So we are connecting to earth, heart, heaven, heat, energy. Um, Not so much connecting either, just remembering and opening up to that energy, being aware of it. So the lower tandem earth energy, it refers to Hara, um, refers to the Hara energy. access point which is in the belly sahara means belly and it grounds us into earth energy into our physical body and it is the central access point of life force energy so we are we awaken we essentially awaken our reiki there and it always brings awareness to our creative energy mother earth our womb and this feminine energy this this flow in the body um we were just talking about grounding before and this really helps us ground into our physical body and and a really great practice to keep coming back to so that's the the first energy center the lower tandem earth energy and we know through a lot of japanese practices that um, they consider the hara to be the center of the body's energetic powerhouse karate judo we see sumo wrestlers um, pose in a grounded stance and very much focused on the hara so um you can see through time that they believe energy is stored in this point of the body and it expands throughout the body from there. Um, the middle, middle tandem point is heart key energy. So it opens us to essentially to our true self. It, it's that vast emotional wisdom and intelligence. Um, the heart is a brain that we often don't connect to. It's it is full of wisdom and the energy of the heart expands around three, four meters around us. So when we start to ground into the body and then come into the heart space, we feel a sense of that we can start to open into this space and feel all of what the um, intelligence that comes from the heart, all of those emotions and feelings and things that we are going through and the pain that we've suffered is in the heart, but also the, the unconditional love that we we always have in our body, we start to open up to that space. And when we start to feel that energy move into our body, that starts to radiate outside of ourselves and other people start to connect to that energy as well. So it's that heart energy, very beautiful and profound energy. And then we move up into the um, upper tandem, which is heaven energy. And this um, is located between the um the the eyebrow point so the third eye um and this is our heaven energy that connects us to intuition wisdom and our inner knowing so it's like that our inner gps that compass that guides us but also expands us and connects us to our spirit guides angels ancestors and the universe it's it's that final 
um, opening of the energy centers that kind of brings us out from our inner world to our outer world to that bridge. Um, and then when we're, we're exploring them all, we start to feel a sense of these diamonds, these light, this light starting to shine through our body, radiate through our body. And the diamond is used in Buddhism as an analogy. So as we practice, we continue to buffer the diamonds, you know, to keep them bright. It's our brightness and shine. the shine cuts through the layers um, of worry, self-doubt, things that are going on in our lives to bring us back to our true self. Um, but essentially, I think it's just a really beautiful practice that incorporates that heaven and earth meeting in the heart space, you know, that we we are coming home to all that we are, earth, heart and heaven. That's all that the body encompasses. Um, and I always like to say, you know, when we do this work or love ourselves, we tap deeper within and over time we feel that shine more and more, you know, and our inner and outer worlds feel more balanced and whole. Um, and I always say that we are one star that unites all stars. So when we practice and love ourselves, um, I feel like we start to see people around us start to awaken or feel that shift within themselves as well. I, you just put it so beautifully. And it's funny because you said at the beginning, when we have an embodied practice, we can go through challenge centered and, you know, in the right way. And I'm thinking three diamonds, the diamonds actually become bright because of pressure, right? So it's really using a spiritual practice to transform whatever halos or affects us and we can become these shiny diamonds through it. It's really a beautiful image that came to my mind. And that yeah, and I think, I think also, sorry to interrupt, but I think also when, um, you know, life is not easy and we're not always going to feel and feel that in everyday life. But I think the practice helps us have that awareness that we've been there before, that we can come back to that. And it gives us that nudge to come back to our practice, you know, um, and remember that we are made up of this energy and we have this within us always. I think that's really important um, because again that's you know part of that spiritual bypassing that we're always going to be on a high or we're always going to be in this you know whole state feel this whole state but but it's not always possible um so this just helps us come back to that space as much as possible you know through practice and still have that light i really like that that image right like we're still going to be it's not like we're also going to be always going through the challenge suffering it's actually being able to shine no matter what in time so i really like that i have a crazy question i don't know if you can answer but i'm like if i'm a person watching this uh, how do i know if i have an embodied practice versus i'm spiritual bypassing and i i spiritual bypass my 20s and 30s but for you what would be like one thing to to check like a couple of checkpoints I think, um, the, you know, I think it's about being compassionate and kind to yourself um, because when we have this interest into spiritual teachings, um, it can we can very often go to a place where everything feels very, you know, love and light. But so I think first and foremost to be kind and compassionate to yourself because it's a process, it's practice. Um, I've been there myself. Um, and I think most people have. Um, but I think it's when y there's a cycle, you know, and when we start to 
um, use when we're practicing all the time, we start to realize, um, I think that's the key is when we keep coming back to our practice, we just incorporate a practice every day and check in with how we're feeling. We start to realize that it's not possible to always be in that state. And so it's not possible for everyone else to always be in that state as well. And so to be compassionate and kind to ourselves and also extend that to people around us um, and to realize that life is messy, as I said, and there's stuff going on in people's lives um, that we just need to be compassionate and com- co- um, co- compassionate and kind towards. So I think that really that's a key thing. And essentially, I think it's about just having an open heart. Um, and I always think about the Reiki principles when I think about, um, you know, spiritual bypassing, because that just really helps us to ground back into the physical body and to see life as it is. And to go through those Reiki principles, we can see that we are, you know, spiritual beings, but living in a human body. Um, but I hope that answers your question a little bit. It did. And it's funny because I meditate a lot about I about the precepts and all the layers of meaning they have. And the way you express it, I'm like, that's a beautiful new layer about being compassionate to yourself and others that I'm I haven't grasped before. So I'm really grateful for that, right? Because yeah, I, yeah. That like you can unravel and there are more and more layers. Everybody can make it your own. So I really appreciate that new layer. Yeah, because I think what I would never do and I, I, I we see it in the spiritual community but you know there's this whole thing about spiritual bypassing and then it feels like people that may have may have been spiritual bypassing they haven't realized and so it's only through education and practice that we start to realize that we what we have been doing so it's really important that as a community that we're kind and compassionate towards each other as we're learning um you know we're forever students no one knows everything and I think that's really important not to judge people um and not to shame people you know it's about helping people to find their path um and to navigate life and and I think you said something very important we all enter spiritual practice through that right through that high and that happiness what happens a lot is sometimes we think the practice is failing when we start to have some challenges and actually we're deepening our practice. And, and I think that's a message that's important. Like your practice is not failing you. You're actually entering like the transformative part of your practice, right? So I, I think that is also a beautiful and compassion and the not judging is a big thing as well. But that Yeah, absolutely. And I think also when we're meditating every day or practicing every day sometimes there's nothing happening in our lives there's no high there's no low it's just that's practice we 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 just keep on going each day and sometimes we need to anchor into our practice more to help us through those low points um and sometimes we continue we 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 might feel like we don't need our practice because nothing's happening but we just feel that balance when we do you know we just keep going so i think there's that as well and that is a great, great tip. So I want to move a little bit into sound, right? Because beyond Reiki uh, lately, sound has been also like, we're really discovering all the beautiful healing capabilities of sound. What I find fantastic is your story that you actually had sound before Reiki practice and you were telling me how you actually found that voice again. So if you can tell a little bit of that story, that would be awesome. Yeah, it was actually um, my Reiki one achievement Um the second day when I went, when I was driving home, I just felt a sense of 
just really wanting to sing. And I sang all the way home and um, I hadn't really vocalized or sounded my voice like that for such a long time. And I just remember feeling this drop deep into my body, you know, that I had found myself like it wasn't I knew that I was still working through things and I still had a fear um, behind singing, being a performer. And that's why I stopped because I had a fear of singing. Um, I had a fear of being on stage. And, and so things grounded to a halt in my 20s because of that. But I, yeah, I just felt a sense of really coming back to my body through sound and um, from there, I just started to explore sounds again. I got back to writing songs and singing, and it was always my therapy and something that I could go to that felt that would just meet me where I was at, you know, um, and connect me to my heart and my soul and really help me guide me through things. There was so much intuition, um, intuitive wisdom that came from that. Um, but you know, sound has always been around. It's been around since the beginning of time. We use it in celebration, in expression, and to communicate in ceremony. And we are made up of sound. Um, and when we start to feel our feelings and sound those feelings, it's just such an, a profound thing. And we, we have that within us. All of us have that um, innate um, energy within us that can take us to different states um, and help us move through the imbalance in our life to a state of whole through sound so yeah I love music and sound it meets me like no other and um, yeah I feel very grateful that again I feel like it was just a time where it needed to come back back into my life I needed that space from it and then it's come back and come back as a part of um, my practice now that I share with other people um, so, yeah, the human voice is a sacred, natural and ancient healing tool. And I really feel very passionate about helping people to com communicate through sound in their voice, you know, free in self-expression and creativity, tapping into their intuition um, and using various different ways of sounding, like toning, soulful, intuitive song, light language, chanting, overtoning. There's so many different ways. Um, that we can express, but essentially just creating sounds that is an expression of our body and soul. That is a great guidance. So if I were a Reiki practitioner, or in your case, how do you blend those two? For example, I go to one of your sessions, and how will you blend Reiki and sound in one of those yeah. events? Yeah, one of my most um, popular sessions is the Three Diamonds session, which um, we go through the, essentially we go through a meditation that takes us through the Three Diamonds, through breath work, um, touch and um, affirmations. And this is a time for us to really embody the Three Diamonds. And then at the end, I will take them through a sound journey. So I use various different sound tools, gong, crystal bowls um, and my voice to help people to really deepen into the three diamonds and also expand into the energy of sound to really feel that vibration and energy move through the body. Um, and sometimes if we have time at the end, everyone will come back up into a seated position and we'll do a little bit of toning of the voice. Um, and I find that people feel a bit more open to sounding once they've been through that journey as well. You know, they, they feel very deep in 
their life force energy that feels very open and expanded and they can feel that shift from the sound moving through their body and so there's kind of like a pull within to to express and that's where we start to sound the voice as well um, I also do voice uh, workshops one-to-one and in groups um, and that really helps us to explore the voice um, again through sound in the voice and I take them on a journey to kind of um, create a way, a flow um, in life through sound. And I think you should do sessions in New York City as well. Uh, <laughs> there. Maybe one day. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Uh, and I found something, you know, again, depends on the lineages. Some lineages of recovery, it's hands-on healing. It's either, you know, I place my hands, it's on, hands off, it's off. And some of the lineages with more Japanese influence, like we are a little bit more of hands to say away because mm-hmm. your Reiki practice from what you're saying is really holding the space and tracking people through this beautiful journey. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like for you, if you had to define Reiki practice, how will you define it? I think um, for me, um, I like to embody touch as a sense of to bring focus Um, and I invite people to place their hands on their body in my practices um, to feel a sense of um, warmth and connection so that the physical aspect of holding themselves. Um, so it's it's more about, um, yeah, just feeling that physical sens- sensation of holding their heart, of holding their belly, um, but not associating it to um, if I do this, this means that I've turned on Reiki or if I don't do this. Um, I've turned it off or, you know, vice versa. I think, um, but essentially for me, Reiki is true self. So it's always there. Um, It just helps us come back home to our body, realize that we are are light and that we um, are always part of this energy, that it's always there. Um, But I think it's really important to have that grounded approach Um, and I think within the Japanese lineage, particularly, there are some great practices that we know that help us to um, really embody that energy. Yeah, I, I think that is the beauty also. Like, as you know, you are probably more sound oriented and very visual. Like what I love about the Reiki system is if you're very kinesic, like that's it, it's the hands if you have sound, but you don't have to limit your practice to one of the things you know and I find that so beautiful I have a question because mm-hmm. you mentioned that you did your master two times right and I've done probably my master quite a few times too what is the importance of, of training and sometimes finding inspiration from other people or different sources uh, do you think what can that give a practitioner well mine was um I my first teacher was western eastern probably predominantly a bit more Western. Um, and I just felt very, um, I leaned into the Eastern uh, lineage a little bit more. That was like my preference uh, of practice. Um, and so I found a teacher that practiced Eastern lineage um, and shared that. But again, um, the teachers that I've had don't really talk about lineage too much. You know, they, they um, allow um allow people to be drawn to the experience to deepen into the experience rather than um think about 
the theory and the history and everything too much because I think we lose ourselves in that space. Um, and then sometimes we might think that we have a better practice than others or we have better training than others or we, you know, we're this and we're that. And we lose our way of just being in our body um, and being in our practice. Um, yeah. And that's actually, I love that you said that because I think we fall into that very easy. And the more I interview people from different trainings, what I'm feeling is after few years of practice, everybody comes to the same place by different road, right? They may be practicing a very hands-on healing practice. They may be practicing a more esoteric practice, more sound, more visual. They all come to this place of loving kindness and compassion. And I think that for me has been like so beautiful. Like it's not so much what you practice, it's how you practice and how consistent you are. And that will be it. And as you said, so I really, really appreciate you said that because as humans, that's where we all go, right? Like it's it's a very human labeling and judging is where we go often. So I really appreciate that. So I also mm-hmm. sometimes try to bring a little bit of humanness, right? So you know you're very human. I know I make mistakes all the time. Sometimes people say like, oh my God, Jasmine, she's so angelic, ethereal. She's perfect. I wish I could be like her. But they don't realize a lot of your knowledge comes from making oops or as you say, deep in your practice and realizing, oh, that's not where I was supposed to go, right? So we'd love for you to share perhaps when I call them oops. Uh, I heard the term teachable moment the other day that I really, teachable lesson that I heard uh, of definition of mistakes. Something that you went through is like, that you, it was an oops that made you deepen your practice. And it can I've be a trying to th- <laughs> Yeah, I've been trying to think. I mean, there's probably so many things. Um, I think I have oops moments every day. Like, you know, nothing is perfect for me. And I'm always, um, I always see myself as a student, always practicing. Um, but I think it's, um, essentially just learning to be kind to myself when times feel heavy and I might fall out of practice a little bit to be okay with that and to be gentle in that time and with that awareness nudge myself back lean back into my practice that's that is often my oops moment when I fall out of my practice when when I'm feeling very low um and I kind of just go into a bit of a void and if I take a couple of days off my practice I start to it starts to spiral right so it's that awareness of coming back to my practice that helps me to remember next time to to keep on going because I will get through that practice helps me get through that that lull that you know that moment so I think for me that's that that is the time when I kind of have that oops moment when I fall out of practice. I I appreciate that comment too, because I think a lot of us can resonate with that. And so, you know, it's nice to know it happens to all of us and we just need to be compassionate again, back to the precepts, right? Absolutely. And it's usually the precepts that I have, you know, I have them written by my bed, you know, left by my bed, you know, on my phone and different places. It's usually the precepts that will bring me back. So that awareness just having something to read and then I'm like okay or if it's um, I'm in the shower and I start to sound the precepts or some you know something like that that happens and then I'm like okay I'm coming back to my practice and you just almost start to feel that this awakening again you know in your body and, and that centering back into your body and then you come back to your practice 
But I think it's just essentially really being kind and compassionate to yourself when you have an oops moment or, you know, that helps you have that deep insight into your practice in the long term. And knowing that they're normal. So what are you, mm -hmm. look at your plans for the future? Because you're already pretty active. You hold the space for a lot of people. You're teaching. If you think, okay, I know in theory, most of us live day by day, but is there something that you would like to evolve or explore or a plan you would like to share with everyone? I am this summer. Well, this year for me, it was really about implementing and having more joy in my life. Um, I turned 40 last year and there were so many things, experiences um, that I want, you know, new things that I wanted to try. And so I'm trying to incorporate and try new things um, and yeah, live, have more joy, joyful moments. And um, so I'm traveling a little bit more this year, which I'm very grateful about for work and and for holiday and um, this summer I'm predominantly really working on my sound meditation album which will be um, a really beautiful soundscape journey um, into our feelings um, and helping us to explore our feelings through sound uh, it will be a visual album as well and there'll be some contemporary tracks on there as well so it will be uh, a, a contemporary song there will also be meditation tracks throughout so I'm focusing on that um, and hopefully I will be able to share a release date um, soon um, but essentially everything that I do is on my website emeraldandtiger.com or on Instagram emeraldandtiger and also I share news and updates on my newsletter. Yeah and you have a lovely Reiki book and I really I appreciate because most illustrations in the Reiki book, you know, like, again, we're putting this on and some illustrations are fine, but yours were very beautiful. And I love, they were very diverse. Like every person could feel represented in your Reiki book. And I really appreciate it. That is very beautiful. So it's Thank good. you. Yeah, that's something I, I asked, I strived for. Um, it, again, we can never be perfect. There was things in there that I wanted <laughs> in well, there yeah. that didn't happen no, but um you know I've received so many messages that say the same thing and I was just with a client recently I gave my book to her she opened it up and saw she could see herself in the book and uh, we had a little cry you know so I know um what it means to people and I you know I'm of Middle Eastern background but you know I I look the way I look so there's there's that contrast there as well because within I I really love to see more diverse people um and not just diverse people but but um just an, a space that is open for everyone a feeling that this this space is open for everyone so I think the book does do that um in some way those and I love the fact that you say sometimes we don't look whether we don't reflect our culture in the outside right like I go through this a lot here in the states uh and actually I I'm from Belgium, grew up in Venezuela, so I probably don't have a culture, but also let's not assume people just by the way they look. I love that as well, right? Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, because I'm I'm mixed heritage and that's definitely something that has um, been with me throughout my life. And uh, yeah, it's something that we, we all should just be open to others. And again, it comes back to that being compassionate and kind. We don't know everything that's going on in someone's life. And so it's just been with an open heart being there for someone just as they are meeting them exactly 
where they are. Thank you, you too. And I'm like, I'm really saying you should come to New York when New York is a little happier. Let New York calm down a little bit. Right now, there is no. I know. You know, I went to, I visited New York just a couple of months ago. I was there for four days, um, but really a fly visit. So I do want to come back and do some workshops. Um, and um, yeah, I will definitely, definitely um, do it when, when the opportunity arises. I'd love to. Yeah. New York is, is happier from spring to October. Then winters are becoming a little bit strange lately, but you know, but I think, yeah, just lots of joy in the summer. And, and I love what you say also, and I'm going to close with that. How can we bring more joy into life, right? And joy doesn't mean going party and going crazy that we can also do actually, but, but is how can we find joy no matter what happens? And, and that also for me is very the three diamonds because it's in that heart, right? So so yeah, I, it's and what is our joy? You know, f you know, as we navigate through um, life, we joy changes for us, right? My joy now in my forties was not the, is not the same as it was before, but in similar in similar ways, you have that same feeling, you know. So it brings back those feelings, but my joy is a little bit different, looks a bit different now. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming and. An invitation for everyone listening to have a little bit more joy, a little bit more practice, and be more compassionate. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com/blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Gracias. Merci.